Today I'm here with Kate, an operations consultant and strategist. She's basically the person everyone needs on their team as their business grows. She shares some really great tips on how to transition from being fully booked with one-to-ones to opening a group program or selling other digital products to scale your business and how long that normally takes. Plus she shares her own inspirational story of how she quit her job while she was pregnant started her business, made the move with her husband from the UK to France where they had originally met years before and they'd always dreamed of living there permanently. So she talks about how she did that. And Kate is really open in this interview about the things that weren't so perfect while building her business. Um, We talk about whether, you know, you ever really feel successful as a business owner and also whether people are being totally honest when it comes to how much they made in their last launch. So we talk about a variety of topics, but this is a really good one. So I hope you enjoy. And we're on. <laughs> Hi, Kate. Hi, how are you? I'm good thank you got the sun in my eyes coming through the window a little bit (laughs) um Kate would you like to introduce yourself yes so uh, I'm Kate as you've said Um, I'm a business operations consultant and strategist so really helping people who are online service providers mainly so that sort of service provision of working one-to-one with a client exchanging your time essentially for money they're the people that I help. So um, when you're working with clients one-to-one, it's all about the client management, the processes, the tech that you're using, um, how efficiently you're doing it, and therefore realistically the bottom line is how profitably you're doing that um, and making sure everything works smoothly on the front end for your clients, but the back end as well. So that's what I do in a nutshell. I think that that's something that I, when I when I hear you talking about that, I'm like, I think that I could use Kate in my own business for those things because all of that type of thing is not my strong point at all. I'm like yeah. a creative, like let's go with the flow type of person, and I feel like every business needs someone who has your strengths. Yeah, I think a lot of the a lot of the clients that I work with are or would put themselves in that creative role some way more than others, like some of full-on creatives can't even deal with sort of being sat at their desk for longer than an hour at a time. And some people really don't mind it, but it's still that sort of non-revenue generating work is how I would describe it. So you've got your chargeable time and that's what I'm trying to give you more of. Essentially, mm-hmm. that's that's the 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 bottom line of what I do. It's It's how can I get you as the business owner or your team away from manual tasks away from you know the weeds of the business the actual sort of operational functionality of the business how your business allows you to step away and be in front of your clients more that's that's what I try and do for people so obviously there's things like tech so if you're working online it's going to include 99% of what I do involves some sort of online platform Um, But a lot of it is more sort of process driven and a little bit more old school, like capacity planning and actually thinking, well, it actually doesn't matter what tech you use. What's the actual step before that, which is what are you doing? Like, how are you how are you providing your services and how can you do that in a much more efficient way? So a lot of it is sort of planning workloads, planning things, 
um, strategizing, just sort of getting the business oiled behind the scenes is is what I do, yeah. And do you think, because when you're talking about that, for, maybe it's because I'm that's not my strength, but I think that that's probably a thing that a lot of like people who start their own businesses lack because we think or we see maybe often like, oh, I just, you know, kind of stumbled across offering this service. You know, people were always asking me, how did you do this? And then suddenly I just popped up and I was a business owner and like, oh, I was making money. You know, we hear, yeah. we hear stories like that quite a lot that people just fall into starting yeah, yeah. businesses. But then if that does happen where you end up just, you know, thinking this is a good route for me, I'm going to start my own business. Probably a lot of people lack the thing that you do, right? Because they just kind of start thinking, okay, I'll take on a client. Okay, now they pay me. Yeah. But then you get to the point where you can only take on so many clients or you can only do so many things. And then you end up at that point where you haven't got any more time in the day because there's yeah. only 24 hours. Is that when you kind of step in to help people? Yeah, most of the time, like if we talk about, I know we've spoken about like ideal clients and knowing your ideal client and not really being bothered what their coffee order is, but more being bothered by how they feel and at what, like what is driving them to look for a solution, right? And my clients are from various different backgrounds, various different disciplines, but the commonality that they have is that sort of, I wouldn't go as far as saying burnout, but they know that they're maxed out and because they're service providers it's that sense of well how can I how can I possibly scale this business everyone tells me to scale and grow my business and grow a team and do all this like sexy stuff that's going to make money but actually a I don't know how to to do it or I certainly don't know how to do it well but b it's like I don't have any more time in my day to dedicate to hiring a team to getting the right systems and tech in place um how do I know that I could actually, if I want to start a group program at what, what's the tipping point? Because people get stuck with one-to-one -one clients because that generates decent amount of revenue. At the point where you're maxed out with one-to-one -one clients, you're probably making quite a comfortable monthly income. Let's pluck a figure from the air, eight to 10K a month if you're maxed out with one-to-one -one clients. But you know that if you had a group program, you could maybe get 20K a month coming in. But how can you possibly drop, you need to start dropping those one-to-one -one clients to create space in your diary to build a group program, market a group program. All of those non-revenue generating things have to come before the revenue generates from the group program. So it's knowing and kind of having someone like me by your side to say like, this is okay. This is the step-by-step -step framework we're going to go through because in the short term, you might need to reduce your income and cut some one-to-ones, but actually in six to 12 months time, this is what I'm forecasting for you because you're going to free up a lot of your time and then you're going to have a group program and then you're going to have 20K coming in, but you're not doing all of these one-to-ones. So you're not going to be spending all of your time doing, you know, servicing these one-to-one -one clients. So it's kind of, it's quite a sort of medium to long-term program that I go through with my clients I say program like it's an actual program but process probably is the right word because yeah. there's that fear as well that comes in with I'm really comfortable with my one-to-one -one clients even though I complain because I'm really really full and I don't have any time to think anymore and I don't have any headspace how can you be okay with growing a business to 10k months and then starting to drop that down that feels quite scary to people but it's kind of part of the the process and sometimes it's having that person that's seen it before 
um, mm -hmm. which I have now on a number of occasions now, like this is a very common theme that runs through online service providers because you always start one-to-one. I don't know many people that start with group things. So you always start one to one, you build your income and then you grind to a halt because you can't do much more at that point. And that's when I come in and just try and guide you back out of the other side of it and sort of move you through to the next phase. I like to think of it in phases. That's your first phase. And then you move to your next phase, which is actually much more sustainable growth and income. Um, but it takes a little bit of hand-holding to get there and a little bit of guidance because it, it needs that sort of data-driven decisions behind it. Yeah, I think that, that that is the most common thing that happens to service providers. It happened to me, like the first six months, I just spent all my time marketing, was like, I just need clients, 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 clients. Mm -hmm. And then eventually when the clients sign up, like you then don't know how to, I was doing done for you design at the time. So mm -hmm. I had to do all the designs. I was spending 12 hours a day designing. And then I was like, mm -hmm. crap. How do I market now? Because I haven't got any yeah. time to make any content because I'm too yeah, busy yeah. doing my client work. And you end up on this roller coaster of you don't have any income. Yeah. Or you lose once that project ends, then it's like now you go back into marketing yeah. mode and then you go back into service provider mode, yeah. marketing, and like you have to kind of change your hats and you don't know how to wear them all at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like no, like it always comes back to the pipeline. Your pipeline of clients is your service provider has to be prioritized. So even if you're completely fully booked, you still need to be marketing. You still need to be nurturing those leads. You still need to be following up with people that have finished with you six months ago to see if they want to drop back into your pipeline for another service. All of that takes a lot of headspace. So how can you possibly do that when you're maxed out with one-to-one -one clients? So it would be great to say, you know, in theory, you think about all this stuff before you get maxed out but realistically we know that it doesn't happen like it's just it just doesn't happen like that i'm yet to find somebody that genuinely prioritizes the operations of their business over the clients and the the income which said purely without judgment because that's real like that's realistic that's what we all do that's what I do quite a lot of the time you know certainly in the early days it was all about making the money and finding the next client but you sort of go through this feast and famine mode and you you do learn to nurture that pipeline much more because you just get really sick and exhausted of that constant like huge marketing effort loads of one-to-one -one clients and then it all drops off and you have to start again and it is tiring it is it is exhausting so if you can put systems, processes, team, whatever that needs to be in place to take care of quite a lot of that for you. You can just focus on the one-to-one -one clients. Or you How can long say, you? Mm. sorry, sorry, I interrupted you. I was gonna say you can certainly, because I know a lot of the, a lot of service providers do work by themselves for quite a long time. You don't necessarily have a team around you. So you can certainly harness tech automations, anything that you can to, to work as sort of a one one man or one woman band, you can still do that without somebody taking care of the pipeline. You can just have platforms that help you help you do that and harness the power of automation because that's what it's there for. Mm. I'm curious how long it takes when we're talking about this phase where you're maxed out with one-to-one -one clients and then you want to kind of free up more of your time and transition into more maybe group offers or other mm. offers that aren't just one-to-one -one time with clients. If someone is in that situation now where they're like, I've just got so much one-to-one -one work and I want to start like moving into something else, 
would you say there's like a particular time span where like you see your income code go down what for a month two months three months mm. and then like you come out the other side how long does that take I mean I would say it, it's completely dependent on what what the plan is you know like what how many clients you need to drop and things like that but I would say three to six months you'll see it you'll see a shift within six months of feeling like you've got more time but actually your revenue should start increasing that's going to be completely dependent on how successful you are with your group program because obviously that income needs to make up what you were making with the one-to-ones so you're just shifting where the if you think of it like like a financial spreadsheet or like accounting software where you've got things coming in with different services so like ones from your one-to-one ones from your group program ones from your stripe you know downloads online like where people are paying you via stripe and you've sort of got different revenue streams in your business all you're doing is literally shifting that so shifting the six grand from one-to-ones and trying to replicate that in the group program um you still keep your one-to-ones and i would say that the the transitional period isn't about replacing all of your one-to-ones with the group programs or trainings or whatever it is that you want to be doing instead that's that's easier on your schedule mm. um i would always say keep one-to-ones for as long as you want to or as long as you feel like you're able to because if you can keep one-to-ones coming in that are paying your salary if you've got a team you know any expenses and things because that's going to make you really um comfortable to be able to reduce the sort of extra one-to-ones on top of that and put more effort into the group program if you suddenly go i'm cutting all my one-to-ones just focusing on the group program some might say that that's a good pressure to have behind you but i disagree i actually think you build your business for an element of calm and security and safety like that's what you've been building for the last couple of years so why would you strip that all back like keep the one-to-ones as far as you need to and then concentrate your sort of marketing on the on the group programs and then eventually you'll see the the shift come and then if you want you know if the group programs up and running and it's successful and that's all you need then you could maybe take down even more one-to-ones but it's sort of a transition and you just have to do it step by step mm. and also it's not really a very good client experience if you say to all your one-to-one clients guys I'm not doing any one-to-one anymore bye yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but even if like like I would always say like say they've signed up for a three-month or a six-month program whatever whatever it might be you know you wait till the end of their contract and you just don't renew for example or you don't you know you don't offer them anything else afterwards or you offer them into the group program you know like be smart about it like try and move people that are already in your community into the group program as a different offering for them or as a as an offering after they've finished one-to-one you know it can be sold as a benefit to them but you want to try and sort of shift the the flow of money basically into your business away from the one-to-ones and divert it towards the group program but everyone's going to be different you know it depends like i say on the on the effort that you're putting into your group program on the actual success of it as well you know that's why you keep some one-to-ones back because you don't want it to sometimes launches don't work sometimes group programs don't work so you don't want to have dropped you know moved all of your eggs into the into the new basket and set yourself up for a bit of a a failure with with anything else so yeah it's it's a, it's a, it's an interesting journey because a lot of people will have different results but if i step back and think overall what is the process yes that's the process that most people go through
I think that's really valuable advice for people if they do have a lot of one-to-ones now that you can actually say to your clients, you know, I'm not going to renew your one, I, I, we're not going to renew one-to-one, but here I have this other thing that could be great for you. Do you want to go into some sort yeah. of group? And what's been quite um, useful as well is when people are having that group program, having like a VIP tier, like having some sort of time, more time with you that might sort of fill that gap between one-to-one and group program. And obviously it can be upsold. It's not included in the price, but some people might want just a sort of general group. Some people might want that extra sort of one-to-one time with you. So if you were moving people over, for example, with what we were just speaking about, that's an option as well. It's it's not pure one-to-one, but you've got a little bit of a hybrid and then you're sort of funneling people into this group program whilst giving them what they want as well, what what they're wanting from you. Mm. Yeah. And apart from working with service providers who go from one to one services to group programs, do you have any other ideas of like how other people, how people scale apart from group programs? Do you work with any other providers that you use like other types of offers to scale? Um, so products, like as in like online products. Um, so putting everything you've learned, you're probably when you're at that sort of I'm I'm quite full and I'm feeling a bit stressed out and I'm thinking about how can I change my income streams you've probably been in business about two years it seems to hit around the sort of 18 months to three year mark so let's say two years um but you've probably learned an awful lot and you've probably created things for for clients i'm not suggesting you like use someone else's intellectual property but you've probably got templates spreadsheets documents trainings anything like that that you've created and you've probably in your google drive you're probably just sat on like thousands of pounds of resources so actually, it wouldn't take too much to bundle some things up and pop them in an online shop um, mm. and then promote them in various different places. What works quite well is if you've if you've grown your business over a couple of years, you'll have connections and people know you, you can offer to go in and talk to someone. And then instead of selling a one-to-one service on the back of that, you can sell a much smaller, lower ticket item. And it's just a way of maybe one hour of your time for training somewhere generates a thousand pounds worth of um call it I don't think there's anything true as passive income but sort of you know Mm -hmm. easier income shall we say because you then get 10 people buying a 100 pound product from you so it's it's quite a nice way to sort of leverage your skills and and what you're actually sat on which is probably Mm -hmm. a lot of resources if everybody went and looked in their Dropbox and Google Drive right now there's probably loads of stuff that you could like template or white label you know like just remove all the sort of details from and it's actually quite a useful training or template that you could sell on that's a really good idea yeah I'm sure that now everyone's going to go back and look at their Google Drive and be like (laughs) very true So apart from obviously helping service providers do this, what we're talking about now, you have quite an interesting like story yourself of how you started your business and how you moved abroad to France. And I think when I first met you, you were actually, we met because you you were living in the UK. You were from near where I'm from originally. Are you from there or you lived there? No, no, I'm, I'm well, I was born in Devon, but I'm, I sort of grew up in, in Wiltshire. Um, but I just rewind a quite a few years I ended up in the northeast and my house that I was living on do you remember we worked out that my garden backed onto the school that you went on to and I was like oh that's really weird like 
Yeah, I, the world... I hear kids all the time there, so that was your school. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. So I was, a, yeah. You backed onto my high school, and we met on yeah. Instagram, which is like completely random. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really one of those little like weird small world moments. I was like, I know that school, but um, yeah, I ended up there because um, I met my husband in France. We're working um a ski season. Twelve, God, I should know this. Eleven years, twelve years ago now, um in France, in the French Alps. And um, we were like, what should we do next? You know, I was like early 20s, my husband was sort of like early 30s. And we were just like, hmm, what should we do? So we went to teach English in South Korea. Um, ended up sort of like working our way up the school system. And I was like managing Korean teachers and English teachers. And it was sort of like, we were getting a bit comfortable with our lives. We had this beautiful apartment that was like on the, um, marina in the city that we lived in in South Korea and we had a car we had a house rabbit like we were sort of almost like setting our lives up there and we were like hang on you know when you sort of open your eyes and you're like hang on we're not planning to stay in Korea like for the next 50 years what are we doing so we went traveling so um sort of sold everything um went traveling for a bit anyway long story short ended up back in the UK and a connection through a family member put us in the northeast um which is why i ended up um in uh, just outside durham got a great job at, well tried a few different jobs in durham because i found out that uh, that four years working abroad means absolutely nothing when you get back to england even though you had a really great like senior job i got back and i was like oh no i'm like back down as like it was as if i was an 18 year old fresh out of school again so um we were sort of just, I was trying different jobs and anyway, got got a good job in the end and um, stayed there for a few years in Durham. I was working as a um, business, admin, I ended up as a business administration manager for a, like a medical legal company. So managing case managers and sort of the back office, the, the back operations of the business. Really interesting. There were um, case managers were taking on cases through lawyers to manage clients with um, catastrophic injuries, brain injuries, um, spinal cord injuries, a lot of stuff with like help for heroes and things like that. So really interesting job. So I got to do like everything non-clinical. I was really sort of like hands-on behind the scenes, making sure everything ticked over and was like spot on. So loved it. That was the only job that's ever really kept me for a long time because I sort of bounced around quite a lot. Like, you know, novelty wears off, doesn't, doesn't keep my interest in well, but um wanted to move a little bit closer to family um so started applying for jobs in Yorkshire which is a couple couple of hours south of where we were ended up uh, taking a role as a um, practice manager for a wealth management practice in Yorkshire which honestly like day one I was like this is a terrible mistake because it just it was just helping rich people get richer no one really cared. And I just stepped out a role where I was really helping people. I might not have been clinically helping people, but the the ethos of the business was beautiful. And it was really like, it had meaning. And then I stepped into this role, which promotion, you know, as a promotion, if you like, was amazing. And the money was great. But I just was so unfulfilled, Sarah. I was just like, I just sat there on day one and realized that I'd made a real mistake. And I was just like, hmm, okay. So I did, you know, stayed there for six months or so, did a good job, stayed there a little bit longer. Anyway, found out I was pregnant. So uh, 
and it was very toxic at that point it was not a good place to work um especially like you know sometimes you can't make a change for yourself but for someone else it's much easier and at that point I was three months pregnant so I was like right I can't I can't deal with being here anymore it's not the right place so I quit but because I hadn't been there for more than a year I didn't have any maternity entitlement so it was quite a big decision with my husband and I like I was clearly unhappy and pregnant so I was like okay, something has to happen and you know sometimes situations just work where my husband had really struggled to get a job when we moved down to Yorkshire but he'd just got one so it enabled me to go okay you know it's going to affect the finances but actually he's now got a job so I can step back a little bit so I did I quit um and probably the best decision I ever made I think in my whole life it was just the like the feeling of relief walking out that out, out of there the office that day was amazing but I didn't have any maternity pay I was growing a baby inside of me I was suddenly like oh shit like this is quite a big thing that I've just done um anyway a few months later obviously gave birth it was lockdown two weeks into lockdown I gave birth which was horrific because obviously like the world was ending and I was in Barnsley um, hospital giving birth. Didn't go very well, ended up with an emergency C-section. Ollie was really unwell, so he was in the neonatal ward for a couple of weeks. So it was one of those times where it was just like, it was totally surreal because bringing a newborn baby home for the first time is is gonna be a huge deal anyway, but doing it where there's like no cars on the road, everyone's wearing that, everyone's like freaking out. It was a very, I think it was one of those pivotal moments where you're just like this is a really weird time to be alive and to be dealing with what we were dealing with fast forward five months um i'm starting to think my statutory maternity pay from the government is coming to an end which is like 600 pounds a month but you know it was paying the mortgage basically um monthly and i sort of thought God, like I've now got a baby. I haven't got a job to go back to. Like, what what am I going to do with my life? And my husband was like, What do you want to do? And I was like, Well, I I want to start my own business. Like I've always wanted to. It's just, you know, you get stuck in salaried roles and security and it's a comfort blanket of, of a nice check to come home to every month. So I just thought, like, I want to start my own business. And my husband's like, Well, do it then. Like you're never going to get the opportunity again where you're literally, you don't have to quit a job you can just do little bits at home like just you know as and when you can obviously I was looking after the five month old baby as well and that was it it's my my business started at the kitchen table um in Yorkshire and it just sort of I think I I set up the the business at a really good time because probably seven months before that when lockdown started or five months before that when lockdown started other people were starting businesses so from home online which is who I help so actually coming into a land where a lot of people were starting businesses and not really knowing how to run them online um, or run an effective business I think it was just fortuitous you know that a I started my business or I was able to at that time plus there were a lot of people that were my ideal clients I guess at the same time that were that were struggling with with what I can help with so yeah, it went from strength to strength, but a lot have happened. You know, we had some personal losses during that time as well. And it got to the, the following summer in 2021, obviously in and out of various different lockdowns. Ollie's now one year old. And my husband and I, having met in France, always wanted, to, like it was always the plan to move to France. And we tried to a few years earlier and Brexit and all that stuff sort of screwed things up. 
Um, and we were just like, life's a bit too short. So we applied for our visas. Um, we got entrepreneur visas. So we had to submit business plans for French visa. Um, got it all granted in August 2021. Um, picked up our visas in September and we were over here on the 1st of October. Um, and that was it, started our new life in France. So the business sort of enabled that because obviously my husband had to eventually leave his job, but we're just lucky. I think sometimes, you know, there's there's hard work, but there's opportunities at the same time. And the fact that I was in work when my husband needed to look for a job and vice versa, and then the business was doing well and my husband needed to leave his job to enable us to move to France, but then the business income supported the family. So we've sort of just, stepped when we've got the opportunity we've sort of stepped into it I always feel like looking back it might not have felt like that at the time it probably felt like chaos and like what the hell are we doing but in hindsight as I look back and think you can clearly see that as the door opened we kind of just pushed through it and we're like we'll just go with it because what's the worst that can happen you know and that's a really privileged position to be in I totally understand that like not everybody can be as sort of I wouldn't say cavalier about it but as opportunistic of, oh, what's the worst that can happen, you know, but we've worked hard to put ourselves in a position where we have a safety net. So what is the worst that can happen? So if you are in that position, hopefully it's inspiring to someone, I guess, that that actually you can just take the opportunity because if you have that attitude of what's the worst that's can that can happen, you know, what's the worst that can happen if it doesn't work out here, I can just move back to England and, you know, that's it that's the worst you know and that's not a terrible thing so why not just take the opportunity when it when you're faced with it I feel like wow there's so many moments in that story where I was like oh that's a <laughs> a bold move there kid <laughs> I took my one-year-old on the Eurotunnel and we just drive over to France yeah it was it was like it was exciting like it was really exciting I think because my husband and I wanted to do this for so long, having met like 10 years ago in France, like it was sort of like, it felt like a bit of the climax to the story, you know, like this is what we were supposed to do. Like this is what we always wanted to do was to move abroad. France, Spain, Italy, you know, I don't think it would really have mattered. It's just, we wanted to leave England. Like we wanted to sort of forge our own path and move abroad and the weather's better. And, you know, you've got, different stimulation as well because people are speaking a different language and there's different food and it's just it feels much more exciting and that was always what we were after I think so yeah to have finally to have finally done it it feels I say that was the climax of the story it kind of feels a little bit um of an anti-climax sometimes because you know you don't live in a fairy tale I still work like I still have to wake up in the night and sort my son out like do you know what I mean like you it's not a fairy tale that I just want to like make that clear that it's not like everything's solved if you move abroad you still have life to deal with but sometimes it's easier if you're doing it in a place where you want to live and you want yeah, to be in that place makes you happy in a certain for for whatever reason you know that I relate to that so much that's why I've lived for 10 years in Spain because there's just something different even though life is life but when I go back to the UK people go oh you're not tan don't you spend every day on the beach and I'm like life is life like I have to work too um, yeah but yeah I think going back to the point where you were pregnant mm. you quit your job and then you spent so if I understand rightly you spent a bit of time just focused on your son bringing up your son for the first few months and you were just like yeah. a mom and that was 
the plan. Yeah, but that was the plan. I actually ended up breastfeeding while studying um, like lean management and like efficiencies in business. <laughs> I had like my laptop open whilst I was breastfeeding it. But um, yeah, that it was quite a nice time really because I sort of was thinking then about what am I going to do with with my life, you know? And it's quite an existential question, isn't it? Of like, what what am I going to do? I've now got a, a son that I'm responsible for. I have to earn money you know and as much as we can like play at business and think oh isn't it wonderful to do all this stuff your businesses are there to make money so how are you physically going to make money from what you've got in front of you like what are you actually going to do with your life so that was quite an exciting thing but it was quite a daunting thing as well and actually the whole mo juggling motherhood at a business is it I've always sort of I feel much better about it now but in the early days I was never keen that much on talking about it because I always felt like and it was probably because I used to judge working mothers to be quite honest about it like I used to not understand judges may be the wrong word but I used to not understand which is totally natural I didn't have a child of my own I didn't understand why their priority wasn't their work because mine always was and you know how they could possibly be able to clock out of work at five o'clock and not think about their job anymore and there was probably an element of like jealousy like I wish I could do that but do you know what I mean and like not understanding all of this kind of stuff and you know showing pictures of their child in the office and everyone's like oh you know that's not interesting it's like no that's their life <laughs> like that's that's the thing that they want to talk about and I, I didn't get that and I think then when I went online and had to market myself, I wasn't sure how much of motherhood to bring into it. Because I thought, I thought, well, will people judge me for talking about that and not just talking about the business? Because that's what I would have done. And, you know, we judge what we judge in ourselves, right? So it's it was quite a difficult thing to feel okay with after a while. But I think I've found a sort of balance to it now. But that's probably part of just growing out of the newborn fog that that clouds new mums as well but it's quite a I think if you're quite a corporate girl or you know like really into your career before you have a baby it's a quite a it's almost like this internal fight that you can go through of like how much you know you love your job you love your child and even though that you feel like you should love your child more than your job of course you do and um, on the basic level but actually your job is what you were doing for the last 10, 20 years. That's what takes up your brain. That's what you think about. That's what motivates you in the morning. How can how can you blend those together? And it's it's a really like it's almost like a totally different topic in itself, but it's it's been quite an interesting journey that I've been on. All in my head. <laughs> but it's um it's 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 something that I think probably people don't talk about enough. Mm. Um I've talked about it sort of privately with other mums that run businesses and actually there's there's a real parity there so maybe we should talk about it more openly um but it's yeah it's it's an interesting topic do you find that the people who you work with do you find that sharing that part of you about being a mother and starting your business when you were when you just had your son do you think that that ends up it ends up that you attract like mom business orders who are moms or who get it 100% 100% not all of them of course but yeah especially when you've got a, a little one like a new one and it's probably your first time doing it so like new mums that have grown their business it's a lot of them have already had their business before a baby and it's like how 
can I possibly continue doing 40, 50 hours a week in my business when I've got a newborn? Um, because it's not possible. So how can you remove yourself from your business as much as possible? So yeah, I do attract, and this is actually, you know, because I know that obviously you focus a lot on branding and messaging and things like that. It's it's something that I struggled with because I didn't know whether to say, I work with mums in business and like call them out and say like, this is who I'm calling in because I was going through this internal thing myself of thinking, do I even want to talk about mums in business? Does that make it sound small? Like we've got some sort of side hustle when actually we're business women who happen to be mums as well. And that's what I was struggling with this whole time. So I sort of dabbled with it a little bit and then I actually didn't feel comfortable with it. So I withdrew from that and just went more sort of service um, based, but obviously sharing about being a mum running a business attracts that that tribe as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, that's it. Sometimes you don't have to be so obvious in your messaging like I work with mums in business but it's still coming across in like I guess your personal brand right because you're sharing that you're spending time with your son that this is what's important to you that that's like your values and you know what's important to you so that ends up attracting those people even though you don't say I work with mums in business like it's kind of like you don't need to say it yeah 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 and I I know a lot of people work with me because they're like I get things like I don't know how you've done it like I want to be like you like I want to be able to have like a business that works but live somewhere that I want to live and raise a son and they're like the three things that I've been able to do I say successfully it doesn't feel like a success sometimes because there's so much to juggle and I don't think you ever really feel like you're a successful mum because you just go through the motions but yes I've managed to do all three so like people are definitely uh, attracted you know it's like for like isn't it they they aspire to be like that yeah it's like an inspirational story and they're like oh well if you've if you're showing me that you've done it then I want to work with you because you've done it and like who else would I want to learn from than someone who's actually like walking the walk and you know doing it how I want to do it yeah yeah definitely like my, my son's like what's the word woven into the business really because like it's called my business is called Olivier Consultancy but my son's Oliver so like the name is literally his name but I don't really talk about that because again that feels like I named my business after my son like <laughs> so lame but that's my judgment of it like I don't want to say that but I tell you know it, it comes across in conversation sometimes to people and it's French it's Olivier so we live in France and we were always wanting to go to France and you know, even if we never ended up there, I still love France. So that's why it's called Olivier Consultancy. But the whole business is based on Oliver. But I think as well, those things are like, once you get to know you, like I've known you for now, probably what, two and a half years, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Once you start to like watch your content, get to know you, like even though you haven't explicitly told me those things, I get it because I know <laughs> you and I, I make the connections between the name and where you live and whatever, because yeah. that's like, that's Brandon at the end of the day like you don't have to say to people I named my business after my son but like it comes across naturally in the way that you share yourself and the things that you content that you put out there and and the way that you talk and what you say is important to you so you do that like super super well oh thank you (laughs) Sarah gave me a gold star thank you whenever you tell me I do stuff well I'm like yes I love that I and I, I think it's so interesting that you're saying you never really feel like a success because obviously this like 
we put out content online and online is like a funny type of place isn't it because it's it's online and it comes across as one thing and also you're marketing your business so you also don't want to show like all of the bad stuff because then it's like detrimental for your marketing so it's kind of like this weird balance where like you want to show that you're doing things well but also internally like you don't feel like things are going as well as everyone else assumes that they're going but I think that's just a natural like I don't know a business owner who doesn't feel like that yeah no and I think yeah I I agree completely I think I think every business owner feels like that and if they don't I question why they don't feel like that because I just think that you're not having like I know you're not having successes all the time because I see into so many businesses and the nature of what I do especially on a longer term basis is kind of just sort out people's shit that isn't working like that's why they come to me because they're like it's not working anymore like I don't know how to make this better I don't know how to grow I don't know how to fix it or they're like I know I need to do something I know I need something needs to change but I don't know what I need to change and that's my (laughs) that's my brief (laughs) at work when I work with people it's like okay so then we go through this process of working out what the actual operational problems are behind the scenes and you know so on and so forth and for different people there'll be different things but a lot of the time it's that they've reached a stage in their business where they've built a team because that's what social media tells them to do um or some random business coach told them to do that read it you know in a book one day or you should grow a team so they now have grown a team but actually what they haven't done is worked out how to manage a team so they now have a team that they believe know what to do but the team screws stuff up every month the business owner is constantly redoing work even though they're paying for the work to be outsourced they're having to redo it so they're they're not freed up to go and generate more revenue because they're redoing the work or the team are missing deadlines and the, the business owner is constantly like is this task done I don't know those sort of problems can be systematized and actually worked out and you know eventually if it's not working the team member can be replaced but you kind of have to work out what the real problem is and often it's the it's the lack of management skills because I think people quite often this is a sweeping statement and it's said in the nicest way but people think that managing is easy um, and actually managing a team managing people's really hard but managing a business overall with all of the moving parts isn't an easy job and it's not something that you should just assume that you can do because you're a business owner there's actual you know you can you can learn how to be a better business owner you can work with somebody like me that can give you the tools and the processes to be a better business owner um or you make enough money where you can pay a business manager to come in and manage the business for you there are options available but the the downfall often is the assumption that it's easy to manage a business and that actually the growth is really hard to manage on the back end um and making sure that you've sort of it's a bit chicken and egg of do you grow first and then put the processes in place and spend the money doing the operational work or do you actually do that first in the hopes that the money will have a return on investment overall which yes is always the answer try and do that first but it's it's not that easy to do um on the face of it so I think it's something that I I struggle with because I want to I want to work with integrity and I always have done I've always prioritized integrity reputation reputation is really important for me Um, and I like to work with people that have similar values as well 
but you're totally right that when you're trying to work with integrity how do you share the bad stuff or the perceived failures or the stuff that's a bit shitty how do you share that online without damaging your marketing efforts and that's it's a really it's really tough um and i find it really tough with with what i do as well because there's also an assumption that i know everything um yes i know a lot compared to most business owners because that's my specific skill set is managing a business that's my zone of genius whereas yours might be coaching or branding or whatever it might be but i still don't get it right all the time and then i struggle with well do i share that because that's kind of that's a really difficult thing to to know if I should be sharing stuff. So I try and I have been trying over certainly the last 12 months of sharing a little bit more behind the scenes. And it's sort of, I would say I I cover it as behind the scenes rather than these are the things that I've screwed up this last month, because I think that's easier to for me to to deal with and process. I also think it's very harsh to say like these are the things that I've screwed up but I think it is true to say like yeah. I, I feel the same way because when I talk about well my version of this is like creating brand strategies for for clients or like you know them going through my program and then it getting to the end and I think it's more about like managing expectations that we can do our job really well but it and you can advertise that you're going to get a specific result you know i can say you know we make the strategy for your business you follow it and then you're gonna you know get new clients and you're going to raise your prices and everything's going to be great but also i'm not in control of every part of your business right so there is a certain aspect where we have to say to our clients like you are the business owner and while i can create this strategy for your brand and we can you know put the plan together i'm also not your sales manager your finance director your lead generation expert like we're not everything we're just one yeah. human being and I think that it's more about you know this is my zone of genius and you need this but what you quickly learn when you start a business is that you need to invest in all of those different things like I need an accountant I need someone to help me with sales I need someone to help me with branding I need someone to help me with operations and it's not just one investment that's going to save your business it's like having a hold on all the different aspects that it takes to run a business yeah, yeah, it's just like building a house. Like you don't sort of put all of the emphasis on just the builder. It's like you need the architect, you need the electrician to come in, you need the plumber, like all of those things as well. It's exactly the same thing. So if you think about that in your business, it's like, yeah, you need the branding expert, you need, you know, sales and marketing help, you need a business manager, you need a VA to help you with the day-to-day -day stuff. But you kind of have to work out what the priority is at that point because you're probably not in a position to be able to invest in them all at the same time so what's the most important thing for you what's going to get you to your next step which is why business operations always gets deprioritized because it's not directly revenue generating and as human beings that's what you focus on when you run a business is how can i make more money how can i attract more clients how can i how can I keep the clients that I've got? You know, all of those sorts of things. That's where you end up focusing until you get to that point that we talked about earlier, which is maxed out, no headspace for more creativity, not knowing where the next step is, not really even having the time to think about the next step. You're just sort of in this perpetual sort of state of, am I going to burn out next? I just need to get to the end of the week. I just need to get it to next month and then it will calm down. But it never does. It never does. So how can you, you know, bring the priority of business operations and good business management back to the fore and back to actually 
realizing that it's it's there to help you build a sustainable business that works for you it might not be directly revenue generating but it is revenue generating and it's it's more of a medium to long term but your yourself in in a year's time will thank you for investing in business operations right now because if you invoke us more on the sales and marketing you're going to have the same issues just with more clients on board so if you're smart i think business operations is the trick that most people miss to be honest i I totally get that too. I think I have the same thing with branding where it's like the branding doesn't work if you don't have sales and marketing mm -hmm. expertise or lead gen. But so it's not like the direct thing that really it, it does increase your revenue and it does get you noticed by more clients mm -hmm. and it does mean more people will sign. But you also need to put that piece together with the sales and the marketing. And it sounds like your business operations is kind of the same. Like yeah. it is it does help, but it's not the direct um thing that generates the income like it's always going to be the sales the lead gen and the marketing that generates the money yeah. but you need but all I've, these other things i've had um discovery calls with people and seen into their business for 20 minutes and they've told me all of their problems and i'm like yeah i can help you with this like you've got some serious issues that need to need to be fixed and they're really stressed out and then they ghost me and a month later they've invested in a sales coach and i'm just like but you <laughs> The, the the it's just so ironic that these that it's just the the focus on the the revenue generation is what sells and it's such a shame really but it just shows that like i need to do better with my marketing to be able to compete with that but that person that ghosted me is going to have the same issues in six to 12 months time but they're going to invest 12 uh, 10k in a in a sales coach or a business coach and they're still not going to have fixed their foundations. So, you know, I know that they're still going to have that problem in six to 12 months time. Then I can help them again if they want to come back. But do you know what I mean? It's like, it's it's a shame that I, I see the deprioritization because I know that it just, it just a few months with me will be able to fix that. And then you can go get your sales coach because then your systems will be able to handle what you're about to bring in. But you're not going to get to that next step unless you fix what's broken in the business yeah and I think that that's so important I, I I think maybe that's why me and you have connected as well is because I I feel like we have similar values in that I did go through a stage where I was like oh maybe I do just need to make more sales and more and I need to hire all the sales coaches and marketing coaches and then it got to a point where I was like that's not my priority it's not my you know I I, I prioritize being happy and you know mm -hmm. living like a balanced life where like my business makes the money that I want it to make and like that's nice but I also enjoy my life and I think that there's this narrative especially online where it's like bigger better more revenue 10k months 20k months da, 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 da. and yeah. it gets to the point where it's like for me I, I feel very um like I don't even pay attention to that anymore because it's not really my goal and it's not my mm -hmm. priority yeah and it's it's almost it's just beating the same drum like over and over and over and it's like yeah but that you know those 10k months those 20k months those 100k years like you know or 100k launches again i get to see inside those businesses and they might have spent 60k generating 100k and it's like but you don't get to see that you just get to see the 100k 
Um, and I'm not just plucking those figures out of the air. Like that is realistic. You know, once you've once you've employed a launch manager, Facebook ads and ads manager, you know, all of these things, if you're doing a launch, yeah, you might make six figures, but you've probably spent nearly six figures to generate that income. You're probably still in profit. So it's, you know, it's all relative. But without sharing all of that profit and loss behind the scenes and, you know, I want to see a screenshot of your balance sheet to show me what came in, what your expenses are, what your admin costs were and your actual bottom line. Because without that, telling me that you made 100K a year is totally irrelevant. So if you're focusing on the finances as a goal, that's fine. But from experience, if you have a, a meaningful goal as well, like you want to spend more time with your kids or one day a month you take off completely from work, and you go out with your husband or you go do something for yourself. Those goals are so much more measurable and mean so much more that you'll probably achieve them much faster because you can actually, but like I do it now. Like I was getting to the point last year, I had so many inquiries that I was just maxed out constantly. And it was just, it was absolutely exhausting. So I sat down and my husband and I literally went through our diaries and for the next six months blocked out one day a month where we were like, we're just not, not working, not doing anything. This is our day together because we don't get. To, we've got three year old. Like we don't get any time together. So we have, this is our sort of like date day, if you like. And that's in the diary, and that's protected time there, and that's like a little win every single month. Now I win because it's not. It's not directly generate. It's not directly related to any sort of financial goal. That's a really achievable goal. Yeah, I might make more money as well, but actually that's the one that's really tangible. That's the one that I can do something with. So that's much more meaningful for me. And it's, I think it's really, it's key actually to, to a successful, sustainable business is having achievable goals that mean something to you. Yeah, I think that that the, it's so true as well, when we're talking about this period of time now, where a lot of us started our businesses around 2020 like yeah. we haven't really been in business that long right it's like you can maybe put up with this like really crazy rhythm of like oh I want to be making more and more and more in sales for two years or three years but can you do this for the rest of your life like that's what yeah. we're thinking about right we're thinking about yeah. the rest of our lives not whether you can put up with working six or seven days a week yeah anyone can do that for a year but then you're going to be yeah. miserable and burnt out and then your yeah. business isn't going to be making the same amount of money as it was in the first couple of years. And I, I've seen it too or heard from people that I, coaches that I've worked with, people that I know that, you know, their first couple of years were extremely profitable. And then suddenly they've had to take this huge dip in income because they realize that the rhythm that they were going at is just not sustainable. Yeah, yeah. which is why it's it's really important to work the behind the scenes. So you're freeing yourself up from from the time input that you need to in the business you know if you can automate if you can build a very small team it might just be one person but they might just be able to help you with some really key tasks that actually free you up and actually you don't need to go and generate more income if you don't want to you can just take that as a win <laughs> just take that time back like that's a massive win as well you know if you think why you started your business most people have a visions of like, oh, swanning off to go shopping or having a long lunch or, you know, actually not opening my laptop in the evening and just watching TV. Like you can still let yourself do that. And you sometimes get yourself in the mindset of like I constantly have to be working. Like I need to be productive. I need to do something. But that isn't that isn't the win that you wanted at the beginning of your business. You wanted to be able to take time off. And most people 
will probably have said freedom, travel, time off, probably more than they said the money at the start. They probably said, I want to equal what I made in my salaried job. That's exactly what I said. And actually now I've surpassed that. And sometimes I don't even feel like that's a win because I'm on to the next goal. And it's like, whoa, like slow down. Like I hit my massive goal ages ago. And actually the win now, if we're gonna talk like 20 year old Sarah, the big flex now is actually the time, is like taking that time back and having that as the win, having the revenue, but also the time back in your diary. And it's it's difficult because you wanna fill it with client generating work. But if you try not to, it feels, yeah, it feels amazing. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that that goal of replacing whatever salary you had before, that was my goal too. That and then being able to go and do what I wanted to do mm -hmm. or like travel to the UK and see my family when I wanted to or going home and or going on a trip when I wanted to without having to ask someone for half a day off and have them yeah. not approve it, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And that's really, I think it's important. It sounds cliche, but to revisit your original goals because that was motivating you to start the business that felt like a massive win to you at, at that time you know if you like say you're on 25k a year 30k a year if you could replicate that in a business and actually have a bit of time off during the week like that was your win that was that was what you wanted to achieve and you might have already done that and it doesn't feel like you've acknowledged it or or it is even a win anymore but yeah like it's it's really important to to revisit those and it sounds basic but actually that was your they were your values when you started and it's really easy to get lost along the way yeah it is i i think that's a good note to to end this episode mm -hmm. on isn't it the good reminder go back to those goals that you uh that you had in the first place and and reconnect with them and make you know make sure that you give yourself credit for what you have achieved and and make it feel like enough because we can easily get stuck yeah. on the next goal yeah definitely um where can people find you kate do you want to share anything that you have with us yeah in? yeah so i hang out on instagram most of the time so i'm at, um, at olivier consultancy um or you can find my website olivier-consultancy.co.uk um i have a a, a free five-day sprint that might be quite useful for your audience sarah which is um an email every five every day for five days and it's like a little task a little operational task um something for you to focus on you know working out your capacity looking at your tech platforms those sorts of things that's sort of an introduction really to to what we can cover in business operations and um you'll be able to just get some wins from going through that process for five days so if, if anyone's listening to this and they're thinking Kate's making sense but I don't know how to get started with this it's like another language head to the the five day system sprint it's in the link in my bio in in Instagram send me the link and I can put it in the description yeah. of the podcast yeah that would be great yeah thank you okay I'm totally going to sign up for that now just to see how <laughs> how that works it sounds great yeah it is it is good it's chocked full of value well thank you so much for this it's been really great to talk to you and to actually like know more about your story because I feel like I've known you for so long but we've never really sat down and you haven't told it to me like that before so yeah we really... haven't done the whole, the whole thing before <laughs> thank you oh, thank you so much for having me Sarah